Friends, you know these words. Here is the world. Beautiful and terrible things will happen. We are asked to be not afraid because this is what you and I are about. We hold hope for each other when hope is hard to find. And we plant seeds that will one day grow. We are prophets of a future that is not our own. We cannot do everything, every march, every cause, but we can do some things. Which is why we say, let us forget our perfect offering. There is a crack in everything. That is how the light gets in. So it is the night before Karen and Ella will get on a plane to travel to D.C. for the Women's March yesterday. Earlier that day, Karen had declined some contract work so that she could sit herself before her sewing machine, the same machine that she used to make Halloween costumes and curtains and Star Wars tunics for Emerson's fifth birthday party years ago. I was Darth Vader, of course. but that she is now using to make 10 pink fuzzy hats with cat ears. This is not one of them, this is Donna's. Donna, this is terrific. This is one of them. She gave me the small one. You want to put it on? Yeah. All right. I may faint because it's really tight. But I, I will need to take it off now, because I, I really can't think with it on. <laughs> she made 10, actually 11, to distribute to the other moms and daughters of this church that were going with them. There's so many hats, there's so, many, so much pink fuzz that I'm picking bits of pink fuzz from Karen's hair that night and, and the dog's hair. <laughs> and Emerson's hair, and Ella's hair, and my hair. Probably now, even more. But all, all the bags were packed now on this night. It was Thursday. And the bags were at the foot of the bed. And their flight leaves in something like four hours. Because even back in November when she booked the flights, the airlines only had left the early morning. A pre-dawn flight full of women and daughters jetting into the mouth of the capital city to be counted, to march against misogyny, against the objectification of women and girls, against the threat to reproductive rights, a march that harkens all the way back to the suffragette movement of 100 years ago on behalf of a principle Maybe you saw signs yesterday that said the following, women's rights are human rights. You know, Karen says, the blue light from the mobile phone illuminating my face in the dark, I thought that the minister of our church made you promise that you wouldn't be doing that before you go to sleep. She referencing one of the stories in my top 10 religious news stories of 2016, two weeks ago, 
When I asked us to resist, actually, I asked us to promise to covenant. To stop consuming the news that is consuming us by limiting our intake to some prescribed portion of the day so that we can instead read books and look at art and listen to music and sit in silence with your partner and talk to them. Yeah, I said, well, that minister, you know, he says all kinds of stuff. <laughs> what does he know? Because <laughs> did you read this headline? Did you see this tweet? And then I let out this, like, scream in the bedroom. Does this sound familiar? <laughs> Turn it off, Karen says. Turn it off. Which is as good spiritual advice as you will ever hear. Do you know why? Because spirit means breath. That's what it means. And if our addiction, if my addiction to refreshing the news feed in these times is suffocating you, is suffocating me, if staying informed all the time is choking your ability to be shaped by other things in the world, to bless the world and not just curse the news, then we must indeed change our habits, or at least we must try. And so there it is. There's that word, try. Try to consume the news rather than let the news consume me. Try to practice the preaching more than be the preaching practitioner. Try to answer what practicing our faith looks like and feels like over these next four years with the president. And this is not a partisan thing to say. This is a fact whose campaign was so contrary to everything that you and I believe and covenant in this church. Try to march one more step one more step against the unleashed racism and the xenophobia, the America first, the sexism, the wealth worship, the power worship, the prosperity gospel that equates blessing with financial reward. And try, Nathan, to replace the scorched earth bloviating righteous political code with the moral code that tells us our faith has no borders, no walls, no political party, that asks you and me to welcome the stranger, to love our neighbors as ourselves, we heard our choir sing, to forgive those who wrong us, and to pray for our enemies. How in the hell are we supposed to do that? And try to listen across the chasm of our differences, across the chasm of our polarization so that when we go to a community other than our own, as I did last weekend to visit my extended family in Missouri to see my dad who is not well and my uncle who is not well, and at a afternoon lunch heard some of my extended family all excited for the inauguration and me trying not to scream and hate over the pasta salad. Otto one of our resident Star Wars experts, of which there I think there are a few, can confirm this, but I think it was Yoda 
who said, do or do not, there is no try, right? Now that works if you're a three-foot green Jedi. <laughs> but what about the rest of us? We who are trying to be the people we say we want to be. Trying to be the person our faith asks us to be. Trying and then failing or getting lazy and then waking up the next morning and trying again to be the moral resistors, the racial divide crossers, the immigrant welcomers, the stranger acceptors, the Black Lives Matter button wearers, the immigrant welcomers, the women's march marchers, the enemy lovers, the across the chasm listeners, the standing in solidarity with the voiceless standers, the hopeful in spite of the world, hopers, the loving parenters, the loving partners, and the loving, my friends, the loving parishioners. Trying and failing, I fail all the time, trying again to be the people we're called to be. Sometimes that's all we've got. And what the minister of our church wants us to know is that we must never stop trying. We must not get discouraged or lazy or lethargic or hopeless because there is too much work to do. One of the things that I do to help prepare myself for all of you on Sunday mornings is that I try to get here before anybody else. And after printing off my sermon and refreshing the candles and making sure there's oil in our chalice and opening the doors and turning on the lights and testing the microphones, is that I go sit in one of the pews in the back where Doug is. Doug, you just raise your hand. Doug Schmidt, yep. I sit in the back right there. And I sit in the pews and I, I imagine your faces. And I think of your names. And I think of the reasons you will come here in two or three hours. Why you will pry yourselves out of bed or tell your child that no, they will not do that sport on a Sunday morning. Or you leave behind the paper and you come here. And I do this so that I can help make our time worthy of your reasons and your needs and your hopes so that I can be the minister that you call me to be, that you called me to be 14 years ago, Sally, 13 and a half, that I can be that minister to you and to me too in this time. And if I'm honest with you, which I always am, it can sometimes feel, frankly, a little overwhelming. That is, if I let my ego whisper into my ear and let that ego try to convince me that it's all up to me. So earlier this morning, I sat where Doug is, and I called to mind all of you. 
And then I called to mind the names and the faces of those who have come before us. The silent cloud of encouragers and witnesses who call us forward. And they remind me, and they remind you to keep trying. Let me tell you a little bit about who I saw this morning. Coming in the back door and then finding their place where the choir is. Were all the world religions that all of you sung from and that Judd and Jen read from teaching us this morning that there is one light into our many windows, teaching us to lift all hearts, even our enemies. So this morning I heard them. And then in the back in walked all these pilgrims and Puritans with hats and buckles on them. (laughs) These people that we learned how religion is covenant instead of creed that Heather talked about this morning. You know, we have this ball of yarn that links us all the way back to those people who taught us even though we would so disagree with them, how religion is about relationship and not about belief. How religion is horizontal and not vertical. And then in from the the side door over here comes Henry David Thoreau. He had just been at Sherburn Pond because Walden is crazy now. (laughs) And and Henry's walking through the door and he's reminding me, you know, we kind of uh, go over to Walden and we see that little cabin and we think, well, this is what this guy was all about, right? Living in simplicity. And we forget, of course, that he landed in jail because he would not pay a poll tax to protest against slavery. And he wrote a terrific essay on civil disobedience that MLK read and inspired his letter from Birmingham jail. So Henry walks in and he sits right where you are, Sarah. So now we have all these world religions gathered in this room and we have the pilgrims and the Puritans with their big buckled hats and we have Henry in the front. And then from this door in comes Abraham Lincoln. And he says to me in the back, you know, this is my pulpit now, Nathan. Lincoln, whose personal Bible, friends, President Trump swore on on Friday. Lincoln up in the pulpit now, telling us this morning the words from his own inaugural address that he gave, hoping to avoid civil war. He's saying, we must not be enemies. Though passion may have strained, it must not break our bonds of affection. The mystic chords of memory, Lincoln preached to me this morning, will swell when again touched, as surely they will be 
by, and you know this phrase, the better angels of our nature. And then I hear the, the back door open this morning, and then it slams. And up that aisle to my left, on your right, in walks Olympia Brown. She has a small room named after her on this side of the building. The room in no way, the size of that room in no way reflects her impact. Did you know that she was the first woman ever to graduate from any theological school in the country? Did you know that she was the first woman ordained as a minister in 1863, ever? Did you know that Susan B. Anthony, the hero of the suffragette movement, when she wanted to fire up the crowds for the march, who did she call? She called Olympia Brown. Olympia telling the story that the reason that she decided to go on and get her college degree and her theology degree because she went to Mount Holyoke and the chemistry professor told her there, do you know this? He said to her, all you need to do is just remember some of this because your only job is to sound intelligent enough. So Olympia heard that from the chemistry professor and said, you know what? I'm going to become a minister. I'm going to get my college degree. And then from that back door near where I was sitting, in walks the spirit of James Reeb, who in 1965 heard King's call to fly to Selma and join the march for voting rights. And James was killed in that march later that week. His murder was the thing that caused Lyndon Johnson to push ahead for the Voting Rights Act of 1967. And with Lincoln up in the pulpit, then in comes two other people. In comes Saint Mary Oliver, who reminds us to open our fists and bless too. She asking, what will you do with your one wild and precious life? And then in from the same door that Henry came comes Wendell Berry, the farmer poet, who read in this pulpit to me this morning, when despair for the world grows in you, Nathan, and you wake in the night at the least sound of what your life and your children's lives, Emerson and Ella, may be. Go and lie down with the wood drake and the great heron feeds there. And Nathan, just let yourself be in the peace of the wild things. And then from friends from all sides come all these women with pink hats <laughs> 175,000 in Boston, 150,000 in Chicago, 500,000 in D.C. Not protesting the president as much as just, you know what, hear me, see me, 
A woman's rights are human rights. This morning, before I came, I got a text on my phone from Karen, and she said, thank you for helping us get here, and with a little heart emoji. And I wanted to say back to her, thank me? I didn't do anything. Thank you for showing me and showing our daughter the kind of people that we're called to be. So friends, all of these people this morning, the pilgrims, the world religions, Henry David Thoreau, Lincoln, Mary Oliver, the marchers, Wendell Berry, James Reeve, Olympia Brown, all of them sitting with me this morning and they're still here telling us two words, keep trying. Keep on keeping on. So it is inauguration weekend and I was thinking, you know, what would I want to tell you to inaugurate with me? Inaugurate a word that means to start over. And then I thought, may these be our promises that we covenant together. These things. Resist. Walk towards trouble. Bless. Use 140 characters to write a poem instead of a tweet. Turn off the blue screens and sit in silence with someone you love. Remind the president that he swore on the Bible and not on the art of the deal. Listen. Get out of your comfort zone. Plant flowers. Practice hope. Knit hats. Breathe because breath is the spirit of life. Recall who your cloud of witnesses and encouragers are. Lean in, lean on. Come to church for yourself, but stay for someone else. Notice where and to whom you are called. Practice the sermons you hear. Speak your truth. Whatever you're afraid of, remember Audre Lorde's words that we are never, we were never meant to survive. Risk. Remember when you love that love is not the same thing as being nice. And then practice your love. Because together, and I believe this, we can help each other. I know this because you do it to me and for me. You help me become the person that I am called to be. You do. That's why I love you so much. Do it for each other. So say with me, amen. amen. I can't quite hear you. <laughs>